0: Hello, welcome to the big podcast. My name is Victor Landa. I'm the editor of News Taco and of the Latino Daily and also your host of the 18 podcast. And we've got a really interesting episode this time around. We're talking to Texas State Representative Rafael Anchia. Now, let me tell you why we're talking to him. There was a legislative session that just ended in Texas. It's a biennial legislative session, which means they meet every two uh, years. And in those two years, they have to cram everything into like a space of six months. So it's very tense. There's a lot of activity going on in Austin. And this time around, the legislative session ended On a sour note, the very last day of the session, there was a confrontation between some Latino legislators and some non-Latino legislators having to do with protesters who were in the gallery, and there there were uh, some shoving going around, some pushing, depending on who you're talking to. There are different versions of what happened, but there were threats. There were threats of beating people up. There were threats of shooting people. And it just, it got a little bit out of hand, a lot of lack of decorum for the legislative session or for the Texas legislature, who can can get rancorous sometimes, but never really like this, or at least not often. This time it did. And it's a culmination of what had been going on since the very beginning of the Texas legislature and what's been going on for years now in Texas. Texas is a very red state and it's dominated by Republicans and by conservatives. And now that, well, now that Donald Trump has been elected president, there seems to be this permission for rancor for anger for just blatant nastiness to be voiced. Things that people would keep to themselves on the house of the Texas on the floor of the of the House of the Texas legislature, they are now being said. So that's why we wanted to talk to Rafael Anchia because not only is he the representative, he's a Latino, uh, he's a representative of uh, an area from Dallas, Texas, but he is also the chair of the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus. So he is the guy right now that speaks for, that's in charge of the Latinos in the Texas legislature. So we talked to him on the phone. We wanted to get a handle of what happened in Texas. And not only that, that since the time that we spoke to him just yesterday, day before, the uh, governor of Texas... Uh, Greg Abbott has called for a special session so now we're all holding our breaths because what ended rancorously is now going to continue in a special session so this isn't over and the other reason we wanted to talk to him also was because we believe and at New Stock was that what's happening in Texas is emblematic of what's happening across the country It's mirroring the sentiment of what's happening elsewhere. And we think it's a good point of departure to begin a conversation of just exactly what's happening in our interaction with people, with people of other demographics, of other ethnicities, of other races, especially at the political level. And what is the truth that now that that Donald Trump has been elected, what is the truth that he's uncovered, the truth that he is allowing to come out and bubble up? Anyway, that's what this conversation is about. So let's get started. Our conversation with Representative Rafael Anchia. So Representative, thank you very much for being with us on our podcast this afternoon. How are you?
1: I'm recovering, Victor. Thanks for having me. Uh I am uh this of the seven legislative sessions that that I have uh served in. This has been the most taxing emotionally and physically. And uh, so I'm I'm just in full recovery mode.
0: You know, uh, what uh, made the most news, sadly enough, was how it ended. But it seems to me that the drama that ensued at the end of the Texas legislative session was emblematic in a way of what the entire session had been like. Am I right?
1: You're absolutely right. And in fact, it was essentially the exclamation point on what had been a, a horrible session. Uh, you know, we saw six court rulings of intentional discrimination against Latinos since 2011 we saw this papers please bill get passed and then we had a member of the freedom caucus come over and and taunt uh, you know military veterans and Latino legislators uh, that he was going to call ice and and, and have peaceful protesters who were Veterans themselves, uh, faith leaders, uh, U.S. citizens, activists—he wanted to have them all deported just because they looked Latino to him. And so, you know, at, at that point, at that point, it was it was really a final insult on what had been a, a a
0: very difficult session. Now, who was this representative that did that?
1: Yeah, that was Matt Rinaldi from from Irving. He, okay. you know, came over and he. Um, there were a couple of uh, of my colleagues in the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus who are military veterans. And, you know, they were actually proud of the people that were coming and, and protesting what we, we perceived to be a hateful law. And so, you know, he came over and he just he just wanted to make a point that he had called ICE on the protesters. And he wanted them rounded up and deported. And uh, and, and that really is is, as you said, emblematic of what we saw. Uh, you know, through a lot of the session, whether whether it was, you know, Latinos or the LGBT community, uh, you know, or women's reproductive health. It was really kind of a nonstop attack on all these uh, on all on all these groups. And, uh, you know, we this session, for whatever reason, we were on the menu.
0: So you said you've been there uh, well you have been there for 7 sessions has this yeah. has this change been incremental was it was it a lot less when you first got there or or has it is it just all of a sudden just things have gotten really nasty in the Texas legislature
1: Well you know I have yeah. I would say that this is the worst by far. 2011 was pretty terrible as well uh-huh. when they passed a photo ID bill and a and a gerrymandered and intentionally discriminatory redistricting bill. And and, and people forget, but they also passed the papers please bill in 2011 under Rick Perry. Um when he was looking to bolster his, you know, immigration related bona fides going into a presidential race. And, and unfortunately, I, I, this session felt worse because there was there was more acrimony among and between members, uh, and I think it has gotten worse incrementally. And, and, and I attribute it to, you know, a, a number of different things. And, and you know, I, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but I think it's important for the listeners to understand why I think things have be, become more divided. The first thing you have to look at is. The gerrymandered nature of the districts right all Mm -hmm. in order to maximize um you know gop strength they sought to uh pack latinos uh as much as possible and african americans as well and and so what we have are a number of gerrymandered and packed districts that uh you know when you have low turnout primaries the narrative is, it often goes to the extremes, right? Because only those people who are really um, diehards will go vote in those primary elections. This is true. And as a result, you, you know, especially on the Republican side, classic and mainstream uh, um, conservatives have really given way to more extreme ele- elements in the Freedom Caucus, Tea Party, whatever whatever name you want to ascribe to it so that that's been a big deal now outside money and these outside pressure groups are kind of a second thing that that uh, has developed over time where you have high net worth uh you know conservatives who fund these these groups that uh, supposedly are are uh you know grassroots but really are astroturf top down <laughs> astroturf <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, and and it's it's really not a you know it's kind of a synthetic movement but but they uh have uh, you know they have a political agenda in mind, and they're very, very well funded. And they uh, then, the, and, the, and the way they enforce discipline from the outside is they set up these scorecards, right? And and all of my Republican colleagues are petrified of a of a challenge from the right, so they just fall in line very, you know, very, very quickly. And that is a phenomenon that I that has really developed during the last two to three cycles and 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 that's why things like the Schaefer amendment which which you know was the papers please yes. amendment uh, g- you know got on the bill because republicans were just so scared of um of, of getting primaried by these outside pressure groups that they uh that they capitulated uh you know in my opinion very easily are these, too easily
0: are these outside pressure groups uh statewide or are they national
1: i you know my sense is that that they're statewide although they're becoming more national like you know i there are some west texas oil men who are funding uh... some of the statewide groups but they're starting to get participation from folks um, you know high net worth uh, um, conservatives i don't know that the, the the uh, Koch brothers are playing in Texas more than just kind of lobbying, you know, for their commercial interests, but rather you're starting to see um, groups like the Wilkes brothers are starting to play here, and and so there's some conservative out of state money that's coming in and, and, and seeking to impact the discussion. We, we have seen we have seen the, the you know the beginning of that here in Texas.
0: So what happened at the end of this um, legislative session? Do you think any of that was maybe bolstered or or uh, given some sort of uh, a free reign to put it in, in, in those terms because of what's been happening at the national level, specifically at the white house, it has, has, have they been emboldened because of that?
1: Well, Victor, yeah, I think I think that, that you know that was the last piece. So it's the ger- gerrymander districts, you know, it's it's the money and these pressure groups, and then mm-hmm. finally it's the Trump effect, right? Yes. I mean, you can't discount what's happening at the national level, People, you know, whether it's it's racist rants that we see on Twitter or on Facebook, or we, whether it's it's hate crimes, you know, that we see, um, you know, that that have played out since the election. Uh, There is there is a great deal of, um, I I think, negative energy that we're seeing that is that has been countenanced by and, in fact, stoked by, you know, the Trump uh, campaign and and now as as president. Um, And and I think I think people are uh, acting less civilly because of it. Right. When you see that the commander in chief can you know boast about being able to shoot somebody uh, in the middle of 5th Avenue yeah. and then you hear a republican state representative you know threaten some latino representative saying i'm going to put a bullet in your head um you can draw a straight line. and that's I mean, how far this take, yeah that, that's how far yeah, this broke down it doesn't take too much right
0: no, no, it doesn't, and 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 that's part of the story, right? That it started with this representative coming over to the Latino representatives and and telling them that he was going to call ICE, and it actually turned into a, a shouting and shoving match, and ended with threats of of bullet shots, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and so you know, I, and I will tell you that I think the the, the scuffle was a little overblown because it really, you know. Back back in my neighborhood that that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have scuffle at exactly. all right and then, you know until there was broken glass but uh but but nonetheless i mean it, for for uh, sort of legislative terms, it was a heated argument, and there was i guess some physical contact not the not the assault that representative Rinaldi was claiming you yeah. know i mean i think I think maybe he got he got uh, you know moved off his spot, but that's about it so but 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 nonetheless i mean. Look, I think tensions are high all around the country you you don 't i mean you, you co- cover the Latino community. you know where our community is right now, yeah. they feel like they 're under attack federally. they feel they 're under attack now at the state level with this you know, with this trump uh, and Abbott sanctuary cities push and so so people are really on edge and and you know and, and then and then um, folks who are who have in the past maybe acted more civilly because they knew that, uh, you know, their views were outside of the mainstream, their, their racist and hateful rhetoric was outside of the mainstream, suddenly... Feel emboldened, so exactly. that, that combination I, I think um, took center stage this session.
0: And, and I was, uh, and it's not just in Texas. And I know we're talking about Texas, but I was reading a report this morning where in California there was a, a, a survey that was the, was re- released this morning that said that fifty one percent of all adults in California fear that someone they know might be deported. So, so it's not just Latinos. It's at least in California, it's fifty one percent of all adults. Uh, Fear that someone they know could be affected but my, my, well,
1: there's there's no doubt about
0: it. Yeah, so so um, my my question then is that not only was this incident and 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 I'm concentrating on this incident because it's what seemed to have gotten the most play. It it got play sure. all over the country. So if we yep. part from there and try and and maybe dissect and pull apart what happened and say that this isn't only what happened in Texas but this is not only emblematic of the legislative session but emblematic of what's going on across the country as well. It is a it, well maybe a symptom of of this feeling that's been happening in the past maybe for uh, 5 months
1: it, and it really propelled the 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 fact that in a in a state that is 40% latino right
0: uh-huh.
1: you we 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 in 2017 passed a papers please uh bill that will uh allow local law enforcement to ask anybody uh, without, you know, necessarily probable cause, whether or not they're in immigration status, and that really is a sea change. I mean, that if you if you rewind to, you know, the era of Prop 187 when Pete Wilson passed that in California, and then immediately people in Texas started saying, "Well, Governor Bush, are we going to, you know, we, we we need to do 187 here in in uh, in Texas," uh-huh. and he just said, "No, we ain't doing that." <laughs> we're just not doing it. Yeah, And you know what? And and everybody kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, well, I guess we're not doing it. We, you know, we don't have those leaders in Texas today, unfortunately, so that, he, you know, and everybody has been sort of kind to the speaker. And I, I really do appreciate the speaker and like him very much. But, you know, here's a case where you had a South Texas speaker from San Antonio yes. who has grown up around Latinos his entire life. And I just don't see how you, as the as the Speaker of the House from San Antonio de Lear allow a bill like this to come to the floor.
0: Well, maybe it has I a lot mean, to I, do with what you had ex, had been explaining about the gerrymandering and about the, the the pressures from outside interests, or at least outside government interests.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's all of that. It's all of that, and then and then you know, it, it shouldn't go without saying that we have a lieutenant governor that's very politically ambitious, who's trying to outflank both the Speaker of the House and the, the governor, I'm starting to hear more and more that he wants to run against Governor Abbott and, you know, was just throwing whatever sort of hateful, um, you know, ideas up on the wall and then seeing what would stick. And, you know, and, and while the, you know, the discriminatory bathroom bill uh, didn't pass you know, in terms of scope of magnitude, this this paper's please bill is is, in my view, far more damaging
0: you know, and that that doesn't bode well for for Texans when you have a governor and a and a lieutenant governor that are trying to out extreme each other because they're political rivals.
1: Yeah, and 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 candidly, it nears to our detriment as a state, right? I mean, Texas has already fallen very, very quietly, fallen from number one to number twenty one in terms of job creation and economic activity and it's not all attributable to lower oiling oil and gas prices right i mean we, you know we we are under investing in our in our public education system until very recently we had under invested in our physical uh, uh, infrastructure right both transportation and port mm-hmm. um and and so we're, we don't find ourselves in a good place, and there's plenty to do. Like, there's plenty of productive stuff to work on. But when you have a governor and lieutenant governor who are uber-politically ambitious and are trying to, as you said, out-extreme each other, you know, the folks that get hurt are average Texans.
0: How did Latinos in Texas fare as as a net quantity uh, uh overall in this legislative session did did I, I don't think we came out ahead at all but what were <laughs> what were some of the what were some of the major blows
1: so you know for, forget for for a minute S B four, right if we can let's just put a pin in that and put that aside okay but you know we we increased the size of the Department of Public Safety, and I and I had you know members of the Appropriations Committee talk to me about this, saying, "Well, you know, hey, we're we're spending another eight hundred million dollars on quote unquote border security, right?" Oh yeah, and 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 that's after spending eight hundred million the cycle before, and I was trying to understand like, you know, it finally dawned on me how you get eight hundred million dollars for border security, but not public education. And it is it? That, that that you sell fear. You say that we need to secure our border. You say uh, that you need to be scared of the people who are coming across the border. And once you set up that paradigm, then it's easy to spend $800 million because your safety is at stake, right? Yes. Uh, despite the fact that crossings at the Texas-Mexico border are at their lowest numbers since nineteen seventy. Despite the fact that we've quintupled the size of the Border Patrol since 1992, despite the fact, candidly, that we now have a president who says he's going to, you know, spend more resources on securing the border. We still did it. We still we still spent eight hundred million dollars.
0: And, and the communities along the border are among the safest in the country. And, and that doesn't seem yeah. to m- matter.
1: Yeah, those facts don't matter because you know you, Rick Perry before him called the, the border a war zone when mm-hmm. he was in El Paso one time, and then uh, and then you had Greg Abbott during the, his campaign in twenty fourteen say it's like a third world country, and so you know, these are the perceptions of the people who do not live on or understand the border, and and these are the, the the perceptions of people who you know either fail to or don't want to acknowledge the fact that the region between San Antonio de Bear and Monterrey. Has been a, a a region that has experienced centuries of trade, of kin, kinship ties, of, of movement of people, of, of work relationships, of and and it's just. You know, uh, cultural relationships. Go, you can go on and on. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I,
0: I was, I was reared on the border. I'm from Laredo, so I understand exactly. So you get it. That, yes. you, you,
1: you, 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 were reared at Laredos, right? Laredos, Laredos. Exactly. Right, no, and right. I
0: actually lived in Nuevo Laredo for a big chunk of my life as well. So, and, and it was. So it, you understand,
1: right? Most definitely. But, but many, many of the people like fail to understand that, and then instead we spend this money, and and one of the net results of this is that, well, traffic tickets have gone up, Along the border, yeah, well. um, but but you know, since we applied no metrics to the eight hundred million dollars, we have no de- definition of success or what or what that money was supposed to do. So that's always been I, my
0: I, question, right? To to people from the right wing who always call for border security. Uh, who, by yeah. the way, it seems to me that the farther you go from the border, the louder and stronger the calls for border security get. But but they never give us a, a, a benchmark to say, okay, the border will be secure when these things happen. And so that gives them an open door is just to keep harping at the border security meme over and over again.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, because if you if you don't know what success is and what victory means, yeah. then, then you just have mission creep, right? And then we exactly. know this from the military. If there are no defined parameters, your mission creeps, you spend more money, you spend more time and, uh, and resources. So, you know, I, the, the reality is that this was if, – if they had said we need $1.6 billion to modernize DPS – they probably wouldn't have gotten it because they would have said, look, we have no money. But if they said we need $1.6 billion be- to secure the border, there it that is. was their ticket to getting it done. Now, contrast that really, really quickly with, you know, with the fact that in 2011, Latinos became a majority of our public school students in Texas.
0: Yes. We have, a, as
1: the Sup- Texas Supreme Court said, a minimally constitutional Uh, school finance system just barely and and just being by virtue of being uh, minimally constitutional it does not mean you're effective right no no you're you're producing the human capital that this state is going to need to be economically and globally competitive into the future so so when you ask me how latinos did you can if you if you sell fear of brown people you get 800 million dollars if you're trying to educate brown people you get zero not even enrollment growth the center for public policy priorities estimated that in the current budget we did not even meet enrollment growth and enrollment growth means you know the new kids that are coming into the system now we came close to it but we didn't meet it in 2011 we didn't even fund it at all so you asked me how latinos are doing the only way our community gets ahead and so that we're not and, and you know uh, an under-resourced, under-educated permanent underclass is through education and, and I think we did awfully this session on that score
0: i don't have any data to back up what my gut instinct is just because i've been watching this for so many years now but it seems to me that the number or the the amount of funding for public education in texas is proportion has grown proportionally or has been reduced in the same proportion as the number of minority or or, uh, uh, children of color have increased in texas schools I I don't have numbers in front of me, but I would love to see a study because I think that is true, that over the years, as less white kids are in Texas schools, the funding has gone down.
1: So I I bet you the Center for Public Policy Priorities could pull that up in a heartbeat. They would have it. I will tell you that when Latinos became the majority of Texas public schools in 2011— uh, public school funding experienced its largest historical cut of 5.4 billion dollars, yeah. and that 5.4 billion dollars was that bucket was only f- partially filled back up with 4.5 billion dollars, but never fully back up. Now, when you know when there's a, a when there's a war between property tax cut and funding public education. Property mm-hmm. tax cuts win.
0: Yeah, of course. Like,
1: like we passed, we passed out of the House of Representatives a completely irresponsible um, uh, elimination of the franchise tax, which is the business tax that was designed to buy down local taxes in 2006, so that. The state share of public education dollars would increase. Well, okay. in fact, now I voted against the tax back in the day because our then comptroller warned that it wasn't going to raise the money it was supposed to raise to offset the tax cut, and in fact, it didn't. But to eliminate it without any any backup plan as to how you're going to raise the, the revenue and fill the bucket back up uh-huh. for public school kids was the most irresponsible thing. So school kids got zero, but they tried you know, but they tried to pass that tax plan. That franchise tax elimination out of the house, which was, it was mind-boggling how irresponsible that was.
0: So how does this play out in a system like the one in Texas where the sessions are biennial, it's every two years, so now we're we're living with what happened in this past session for the next two years?
1: <laughs> yeah, so in Spanish we would say, A <laughs> you <know? I> mean, huevo. <laughs> yes. Like, no hay otra, right? Yeah. That's it. Uh, we're done. And you know within certain parameters the legislative budget board can help on you know by reallocating some funds you know in certain buckets but we are basically stuck with this budget for the next two years and um i suspect we'll be back in court uh on school finance and uh and and and, you know the the public schools will sue the state and hopefully they'll be successful this time, because the only time that uh, that uh, the legislature ever acts on public school finance, it's, uh, you know, at the end of a court opinion. I was right? going to say I when mean, they're forced to. When they're, yeah, right. And it's never it's never that they are um, that 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 they do so volitionally. I, I would further add that we could have done it very, very easily, by the way. We have twelve billion dollars in the rainy day fund that's just sitting there like a bank account. Uh When I, you know, when, when, when I came in, in 2005, I mean the rainy day fund wasn't thought of as a savings account. You used it, right? You used it when oil and gas prices were low, you used it to balance the budget. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and we did it after, uh, 2011, you know, we took, um, uh, we took ara funds excuse me after the 2009 liquidity crisis we took federal funds we depleted the rainy day fund and uh and you know 2 billion dollars above enrollment growth would have done wonders and you know you'd never see these um the investment in public education short term because it's always a cohort that you know that is from uh pre K through 12 right uh-huh. it's, it's it's like a 12 13 year old year long cohort and so any any dollars that you put in you don't see immediately well we're benefiting today from the you know 2 billion or so dollars that uh Ann Richards put in uh, above enrollment growth from the 1.5 billion that um that uh uh, george w bush put in when he was governor we just haven't had that leadership most recently and it's it's you know it's it's gonna it's gonna catch up with us
0: how do you see and 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 I'll, uh, i'll i'll leave i'll leave it with this question how do you see latino politics evolving between now and the next session the next two years
1: right so Right, if you're not woke by now, right, right, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you're in a perpetual sleep, right? I, if if you do not have a sense of urgency after the, you know, after you had a U.S. president that got elected after calling our community rapists and criminals and saying that a, a Latino federal judge couldn't do his job because he, his his grandparents or parents were from Mexico. Um, after that, if you're not, if you're not awake after November of last year, then you better be awake now because you've got, you've got, you know, a governor and a lieutenant governor coming for you by passing this law. You've got a a legislature that has passed intentionally discriminatory, um, uh, redistricting and photo ID laws, and you have zero investment in public education. So I, you know, because if, if you don't see, if you can't connect the dots right now and see what's happening, well, then then we may never will. And as a 20, you know, 2014, or excuse me, uh, 2018 is going to be an interesting election cycle.
0: Do you see a parallel with California and Prop 187 back in the 90s?
1: You know, I'm I not I, sure. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Right. Like, like, you know, I look at what Prop 187, I look at SB 1070, the Arizona Papers, Please Bill. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I can only conclude that those two acts cause Latinos in those respective states to, um, you know, to get mobilized. Right. Um, you know, the author of 1070 lost, Joe Arpaio lost uh, while, while the state didn't, you know, turn Latinos overwhelmingly, you know, voted in that state uh, against the parties that had passed the 1070 bill, mm-hmm. and so you know, I, I, I'm I can only hope that people will be awake and that will feel as indignant, I guess, as as I do, and the members of the Mexican American Legislative Caucus who have felt both attacked and taunted uh, this session.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time. This is a really interesting conversation, but I don't want to take too much of your time. We are going to be uh, remaining in touch and keeping our uh, eye on what's happening here in Texas because I, I do think that, like I said at the beginning, it's emblematic of what's going on across the country, and Texas is a big state, and it has a lot of Latinos in it with a, a lot of influence in what happens in the rest of the country. So I think it's it's important that we talk about this, and we, it's important that we amplify uh, what's what's happened here in Texas and what's going to be happening in the uh, months and years to come.
1: Thanks, Victor. It's certainly the future is within our hands. Now we have to go out and grasp it.
0: Okay, gracias.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye now.
0: And there you go. That's our conversation with Representative Rafael Anchia. And as we said at the beginning of the podcast, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, has called for a special session of the legislature that uh, ended previously in a very bad note, and we're not expecting for it to be any better going forward. And that's why we wanted to talk to Rafael Anchia. That's why we wanted to get a perspective of what's going on. And in fact, by the when we talked to Rafael Anchia, we had no idea that there would be a special session, but there were rumors. It was almost a certainty that it would happen, but it just hadn't been official yet. So this is going on. This is going on in Texas, which has the second highest uh, number of Latinos in the country, second only to California, a very red state as opposed to California that's blue. So there are some really interesting and special circumstances that are going on in our state. And that's why we pay close attention to what's happening at the political level. And there have been, in fact, since uh, we spoke to Rafael, there's been a call from some congresspersons, some senators, in fact, Senator Bob Menendez and Senator, uh, Senator, Cat, uh, Senator Catherine Cortez Mazzo uh, have called for the organizers of South by Southwest which happens around in March of every year to pull their 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 festival from Austin to take it out of Texas to send a signal that we're not they're not happy with what's going on. So if that happens it's going to be devastating for the state. That news just hit today so I'm not really sure if there's been a response or if if it has any if it has any legs if this thing's actually going to go but that's uh, the sentiment that's the way things are in the great state of Texas and uh, we tejanos are in the middle of it and we're trying to get ourselves as informed as we can as we move forward so thank you guys for listening thank you for telling everybody that you know about us thank you for being a part of our conversation and a part of our community we'll be back with you next time on the 18 podcast until then i'm victor landa you guys ganas. we'll see you later bye